A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everything I gained from the Olympics is a positive experience. There's not one negative thing. It's made me tough, mentally stronger, and it's given me a great opportunity. More left-hand success from Joshua. Joshua, back onto the front foot. Fight against the Dutch exchanging misses at the moment as we're inside the final 30 seconds. Got to work a little bit harder on the inside. This is really close now. I think Anthony Joshua's pulled it back. He needs a couple more. That's better. And this is a spirited rally from Anthony Joshua. He brings about a response as you would expect from a great champion like Camarelli, two-time world championship gold medalist, defending Olympic champion and gold medalist from Beijing four years ago. The judges scored it level at 18 points apiece. You go to countback. The winner on countback and Olympic super heavyweight champion in the blue corner, representing Great Britain, Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is the Olympic super heavyweight champion. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport with the British Army. Go the distance with the British Army. Search Army Jobs now. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis alongside me. And we were both there that night. Excel Arena 2012, the Olympic Games. Anthony Joshua crowned uh, the gold medalist. If we're honest, it was a tough, tough night. And we just heard there in commentary that it was uh, via countback that he ended up picking up that gold medal. And if I'm honest, on the night, I thought he was very lucky to pick it up. But stars are born. And the biggest story, I suppose, off the back of it, Gareth, is that at the point of him winning that gold medal, he'd only been in the ring four years. He only laced them up four years previous. Yeah, it's very interesting, you know. I mean, I, I, let me wind it back even a little bit further, Adam. For people that don't remember, Anthony went to the World Amateur Championships um, and had fought his way extraordinarily to the finals and won the silver medal there. Yeah. Just before that, of course, he had been caught in his GB tracksuit mm-hmm with marijuana in his car by the police. And he'd had a massive dressing down by um, Rob McCracken and all the coaches up in Sheffield because he almost threw his competitive life away at that point. All all, all the stardom that he now enjoys could have just gone so easily. That was the moment in many ways where he realised that he was being an idiot. Mm. He was behaving like an idiot and he really grew up. So when he came into the Olympic Games, he was vastly inexperienced. And as you rightly point out, he kind of benefited from the London Games. He's benefited from the fact he won the gold medal at the London Games. It gave him the best projection yeah. he will ever get. The previous world champions, Ali won in Rome, mm. threw his medal into the Mississippi because he wasn't recognized when he went home. George Foreman, you know, went home, wasn't recognized for it. These guys won it in Mexico, in Rome. They didn't win it in their hometown, you know. And so when he won it in his hometown, it was amazing for him. But the crowd helped. That first fight, in if you go through the Olympic competition, yeah. the first fight against Erislandi Savon, the nephew of the great Felix Savon, who won three gold medals at the Olympics, he just gets through 17 points to 16. You'll remember we were both there. It was... You were wondering if he was going to get the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, ooh. There were a few oohs going around the XL Arena. 10,000 people, morning, noon, and night there for every single bout. Every seat sold out. He gets through Zhang Gillet, 15-11. It was a great performance. Yeah. He de- defeated Ivan Dichko in another great performance, coming back in that fight, 13-11. And then in the final itself the against final Roberto Camarelli, the defending champion, yeah, yeah from the World Championships, uh, sorry, from the previous Olympics, he was 
brilliant. He was brilliant. We found out in that moment that Anthony Joshua has fight in him. Yeah. And it was an amazing I thought amazing you were going to say moment. Cajonas then. That's what I thought uh, no, you were going to say. He, he, but that's showed, what we saw. He showed he had huge stones. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience from my own personal professional side just to have been in that room that yeah. night when he was crowned the Olympic gold medalist. But what, from that moment onwards, I mean, he took a little bit of time. He spoke to a few promoters, didn't he? He had a real good think about it, and then he ended up send, signing with Eddie and Matchroom, and then the professional journey began. Do you know what I found amazing about him? Um, I remember sitting with him in the media room after he'd won the gold medal, and I said, what have you been watching? What have you been going through in your mind? He was like, Big G, as you, Big G will give you a fist bump. He'd say, and he's like that, he's so personable. He said, I watched 300 loads of times, yeah? And I learned all those times. Yeah. Eat well tonight, men, for tomorrow we, we dine, dine in hell. hell. And he took all those kind of catchphrases with him and he implanted them into his yeah. mindset, into his psyche. And you know, the funny thing is about him, when he spent that year working out who he was going to go with, he went to see Lennox Lewis in Jamaica. He went to America to visit the promoters. He sat down with Eddie Hearn. Do you know what? And I've got to say this now, and I've never said this on air. He even asked me what, he, th he thought and I don't mean he just asked me no, he would have yeah. asked everyone who he respected or thought about in boxing that might know or might have been around longer than him what he thought what they thought he should do and I said to him go win the Commonwealth gold first as well because you've got the projection with the British public and that was my advice win the Commonwealth gold in where was it Glasgow yeah, yeah. 2014 go and win that and you've got the pair sewn up and then turn pro and then he turns pro under Eddie Hearn and it's obviously it's been five years of amazing stuff from him yeah um but what I loved about him, what it what it told me about him, Adam, um, and, and people know this when they meet him, the listeners tonight, anyone that's met Anthony Joshua, he's got the Ali effect, the Muhammad Ali effect. He makes you feel special. And that is amazing. And he soaks information up like a sponge, you know. Mm. Um, just regarding um, him being a creature of habit. Yeah. Because he's turned pro and he's still training where he obviously learnt his craft as an amateur. He's still in Sheffield. He could have picked a million and one gyms, but yeah. he's decided to stay in that fantastic setup that's at Sheffield for people that have never been there or know nothing about it, that are maybe on the way on from a football game this evening and just tuning in for a little bit of casual boxing love. Tell me about that institute because it's a tremendous place. Well, it is. And under Rob McCracken, his trainer, who's the head of the amateur programme, of course, at the English Institute of Sport in Sheffield, they are one of the most funded sports by UK sport in this country. And it's exchequer and lottery funding, remember. Something like £20 million a year goes into that place. They've got um, uh, cryo chambers um, altitude chambers, small rings for practicing boxing um, at close quarters. They've got every single sports scientific mm. piece of equipment you can imagine. And it's all top down from Anthony Joshua. You know, well, actually, I, that, that investment be became because of what Audley did. All Audley these Harrison fantastic achievements. And then Amir. But, but at that James time, we, yeah, those got at that time, the thing is, Ed, at that time, you know, having covered those Olympics and covered that period, when we used to go and we'd win, if we won one medal, we'd be happy. Yeah. Now we expect to win five. We won five in London. We won five the, in And Rio. the colour of the medal is changing. The, the colour is changing. Yeah. And of course, there is a. It's not a dem democratic system with UK sport. It's it's like it's like a it's it's a basically it's down to hard numbers. Mm. If you win medals, you get funding. Yeah, and and it's become the most envied and vaunted um, preparation camp in the world. It's been money yeah. well spent though. Since it, the Audi Harrison win, they've spent good money. And look at the it's the fruits brilliant. that they are that they are benefiting. No, I mean I think you know. From 2004 on was after Audley as well. I mean, they, they discovered that they really needed to do things properly. They monitor sweat patterns, sleep patterns, yeah. mood patterns. And Anthony Joshua is the template for all this. And you know what? The knock-on effect of him being up there around the British Olympic and Commonwealth teams. Mm. I mean, when I was up there, you can hear the noise in the background here when we speak to her. I'm there with... Um, with Georgia O'Connor, yep. who's just been to the World Championships. She's a 19-year-old from, from up north, and she is from the northeast. She's studying to be a civil engineer at university, but she's so inspired by, uh, by Anthony Joshua. And I began by asking her what it's like to train around AJ. Couldn't ask for anyone better to be around, to be honest with you. Um, when I'm in the gym, seeing him training, it's very inspiring. And I always remember I read something that said, uh, you should surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. And... Um, people that's going to lift you, lift your spirits and make you a more positive person. So I couldn't ask for anyone better to do that than, than AJ himself. Does he ever give you a pat on the back or the 
pat on the top of the head or, um, or even a jab in your face? Uh, I wouldn't say a jab in the face, a few <laughs> pats on the back now and again and yeah, it's really nice to, uh, to get recognition from someone like himself who's achieved all what I hope to achieve and hope to be one day. And women's boxing of course is in the Olympics now so I'm sure you're wanting to go there in Tokyo maybe or maybe even beyond. Uh, yes definitely, the initial goal was uh, Paris 2024 but if I, if I can you know Tokyo 2020 would be a dream come true. And is the big man going to knock out Povetkin? Oh, 100%, definitely. Great to hear from uh, Georgia O'Connor there, who's got some uh, fantastic uh, ability and ambitions of her own. And obviously speaking about AJ training in the same campus here, I mean, just to give you a little bit of background if you don't know too much about this, yes, you know that Anthony Joshua is a multi-millionaire. However, when he has these training camps, he uh, has the dingiest of flats up in Sheffield. It's a very Spartan lifestyle. You mentioned the film 300 is a very Spartan lifestyle that he leads when he's mm-hmm. up in Sheffield. He puts himself through the rigour with Rob McCracken at the finest of institutes with his training. But he gets it. And you mentioned this a little bit earlier on. He obviously understands what it took to get him to Olympic gold. Why change it? It's not broke. Keep, keep the same patterns. And he's doing that in his professional life. And now he's the unified world champion. But as well as that, he understands that he has now... Um, an obligation to those younger fighters yeah. coming through to help them along yeah. a little bit. The, the thing is, Adam, like, you create a centre of excellence, you create excellence, you have to create legacy, and the way you do that is you keep your templates together. And I think, you know, he's realised, you know that old saying, you're not going to train at five in the morning when you're sleeping in silk pyjamas. Yeah. He, he goes rough up there. He doesn't let anyone in. Doesn't cut he, his hair. Doesn't, doesn't cut his, his hair. He looks, like, he looks like Will Smith from I Am Legend at the moment, yeah. <laughs> it's all hanging out. He doesn't look, he looks like, he's street smart at the moment. He's got that look about him like a street guy with his with his cap side he, pu- he punishes head. himself on purpose he does he does yeah, and yeah. he i got to say he was amazing on wednesday he you know they they're very strict about media pens here radio over there tv over yeah. there he's got a million and one interviews to get through he say two and a half hours longer than, than than he meant to and i was doing a couple of things for william hill with him as well at the very end we had Kirsty gallagher with him and eddie hearn sitting in the ring together this is 2 hours after he should have been there yeah. and he was playing mr and mrs with two ten- table tennis bats with eddie's face and his face on and it's Great fun for William Hill. You've got to see it next week. They'll put it out. It is so funny. And that was too... He's not normally like that. Um, And I think for him, Eddie was saying, God, he's had no one around him for 12 weeks, apart from the testers, his sparring partners, and really hard sparring, he said, yeah? And he said, this is like a night out for him with all you lot up here. Mm. And you could really see it. He is so dedicated. You cannot fault what he does. And also, just to add to that Sheffield Institute of Sports stuff, I sat down there with... Chris Connolly, who's monitoring his punch, power, resistance, speed punches, power punches, control punches, amount of punches, when he should be punching, analysing all these things on a database. He's got these monitors around him, which are like, if you put like five or six cameras on stands with infrared lights. If you're a big fan of Rocky, it's like Drago's gym. Exactly. That's where we're at. That's where it's at. But it is the most high-tech thing Mm. you've ever seen. As I say, they're monitoring his moods, his sweat patterns, all these different things. And he's like, you know, it's really nice now. I can go for my run at 10 in the morning because they didn't like him in a bad mood when he was in a, a, a long... Remember, what happens with boxers is they get fit beginning of the camp they get conditioned they go through strength and conditioning then they do two or three weeks of sparring you'll have done a hundred rounds mm. against some very very tough men you see them up there they're all big they're all been sparring with him and he's been put through the ringer in for this fight because Povetkin who we haven't mentioned tonight on the show is a very very Alexander Povetkin is a very very tough p- opponent for him and it's all live and exclusive on TalkSport next week just just the first half an hour of this show alone has got me giddy for it I want to get there now uh, but we've got obviously another couple of hours to to speak about it tonight all week to get there uh, but next week it'll be live and exclusive make sure you come and join us uh, for Anthony Joshua against Alexander Povetkin it's not going to be just an Anthony Joshua loving on the show this evening we are going to speak about Alexander uh, Povetkin we'll obviously uh, tell you about the fights that have been made this week between Alexander Usyk and Tony Bellew and we've got a cracker in the early hours of the morning uh, between Canelo and Triple G we'll give you a little bit of a preview on that as well you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport
from Joshua. What fitness, what heart from Klitschko. But the fight has been stopped. Lift off for AJ. Tyson Fury, where you at, baby? <laughs> Come on, that's what, is that what you want to see? Come on, we're here, man. I enjoy fighting. I love fighting Tyson Fury. I know he's been talking a lot and he wants to come back and compete. I want to give 90,000 people another chance to witness a lovely night of boxing. I just want to fight everyone, man. I'm really enjoying this right now. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with the British Army. Go the distance with the British Army. Search Army Jobs right now. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. We've just had a little bit of a loving on uh, Anthony Joshua's rise to the professional ranks, talking about his Olympic gold medal in London in 2012. If you've only just joined us, this show will be available as a podcast. You can get it on iTunes. Just check out uh, Fight Night on TalkSport. You can get it via the TalkSport website. At talksport.com. Time to talk about his professional ranks because if we're, if we're really honest, when you uh, when you have such a colossus in the heavyweight division as Matchroom and Eddie Hearn did get themselves in 2013 when AJ turned over, you've got to manage him right, and they did. They managed him extremely right, pointing him in the right direction. Obviously, the Dillian White fight is probably the standout moment uh, before he becomes a world champion, and he came through that bout. Um, even though there was a little bit of a shaky moment in that second round, he came through it. He got the job done. And up until uh, the moment of uh, facing Charles Martin for the IBF crown, he was knocking kids out for fun. People were absolutely loving him because that's what we want from heavyweights, don't we? We want to see him put people over. Absolutely. You only need to go onto YouTube and look back at some of Anthony Joshua's fights from, you know, like his, his early fights, the fourth fight against Dorian Darch, the mm. the sixth fight against Matt Legg, where he's putting these guys away for fun. Matt Skelton, two rounds of mayhem, really, um, in, in, his, uh, in his seventh fight. Um, this 10th fight, Michael Sprott, putting away some of these names that British boxing fans knew, making, you know, a lot of appearances at the O2 Arena. And at the same time, incidentally, we're going, remember, through 2013, 2014, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, our coverage of boxing on Talk Sports. Yeah. The coverage of the sport itself, the, the presence it now has in British sports, the presence it now has in the media, Adam, you know, I mean, it's part of my career as well. You see peaks and troughs in boxing. We've had Colin Harton, he's been, you know, the doyen of boxing writers, 50 years in the sport. He tells me, he's like a teacher to me, a father figure to me, there's never been as good a time for British boxing. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the gradual growth of Anthony Joshua was there mm. until, as you say, suddenly within, with his 15th fight against Dillian White, where he was in a tunnel of mayhem for five to seven minutes early in that fight. He's caught by Dillian White. Suddenly, the whole world gets out of his seat, say, hang on a minute, is this guy legit, as they say these yeah. days, or not? He comes through that in a barnstorming fight against a guy who, remember, in Dillian White, who'd beaten him in the amateur ranks, knocked him down, stopped him, hurt him, who came back, beat this guy, beat him in the amateur ranks, and he kind of announced himself that he's a guy that could be against the ropes but win again. We saw that in the Olympic Games, mm. but now we saw it in the professional ranks. Mm. A proper test for the first time. And, of course, at that moment, as he's growing... Tyson Fury, who has scattered the belts from Vladimir Klitschko in Dusseldorf. You know, I think in 2000 and... Um, yeah, that's right. I was, I'd been in Dusseldorf two weeks earlier yep. to see Tyson Fury pull off one of the greatest performances. You're talking 2015 now. 2015, back November. back end of 2015. 20, November 2015, we're in Dusseldorf. And no one expects Tyson Fury to beat Vladimir Klitschko, who's reigned for 10 years, yeah, mm. as the heavyweight champion. His era, done what Joe Lewis did, done what Muhammad Ali has done, embossed himself, not in an exciting way, but on the division as one of the greats. Suddenly, within 10 months, those belts are freed. They're gone. The IBF title's out there anyway. They've The International Boxing Federation belt stripped from Tyson Fury. So he holds only two belts. 
the World Boxing Organization and the World Boxing Association mm. titles. I've the IBF's out there. On that, yeah. I've just got a quick yeah, yeah. question yeah. on that because yeah. Tyson Fury was the catalyst. He goes and beats... Oh, you can't... You have to he, say he beats that. Cl- he, he beats Klitschko in Dusseldorf and then all the things that happened to Tyson Fury which then end up having these belts all over the place and therefore other people were able to pick them up. If that doesn't happen, if Klitschko's still the champion, one, has Anthony Joshua had a shot at a world title yet? And two, is he a world champion? No, he's not. He's simply not. Charles Martin picks up the belt in the February yeah. and he calls out Anthony Joshua. Why? Because he wasn't that good. And he called out Anthony Joshua because he could see the rise of this young superstar in the UK. Eddie Hearn jumps on it. He brings Charles Martin two months after he's won it. He won the belt in, I think it was the February. Yeah. Or January or the February. And he won it because his opponent... His knee buckled. He didn't His beat him. He wasn't even the favourite to it. His knee buckled. He had a terrible injury during yeah. the fight. Um, you know, and suddenly, suddenly... Eddie Hearn pays over the odds for Charles Martin to come over and basically take a beat yeah, in it, and, and cash out. Via- Vyacheslav Glaskov, it That's was. Right. Who was the, you know, who was the favourite to win the fight in many ways. Very decent boxer, I hasten to add as well. Comes over here. And what does Charles Martin do? It's that old joke. He was... Knocked out on his feet, yeah, but putting his gloves up. It was knocked out on his back by Anthony Joshua. Hurt really hard, but he's knocked out, but he's holding his glove over his eyes so the lights don't blind him. You don't do that Mm. if you're being knocked out. Mm. He came for the payday. He came for a payday against Anthony Joshua. But at this point, of course, what we were saying was... Anthony Joshua now holds a world title. He's beaten Charles Martin. He's the International Boxing Federation champion. He is a world heavyweight champion. And he's only had 18 fights. Yeah. And he's a baby, a neophyte, a guy learning on the job, a work in progress. But there's a target on his back now, Gareth. He's got the IBF championship. Everybody wants a piece of that pie because, like you say, he is a work in progress. He is relatively young when it comes to heavyweight champions and everybody wants a piece of that. I personally think that the way he's been managed throughout the whole of his career has been absolutely bang on. There's just certain moments where you were thinking he needs a challenge. Like, for example, we were both in Manchester when he fought Eric Molina. And he absolutely obliterated Eric Molina. He was pathetic, let's be honest. And AJ did a job on him. And at that He was mo- nasty as well in the build-up. It's the first absolutely. time we've seen him get nasty. Absolutely. It was good. But everybody in that crowd that night was like going, oh, another, another knockover for AJ. Come on, man. We need to see a proper challenge. And then all of a sudden, the rabbit comes out the hat. It's, it's Vladimir Klitschko next. And it was just the perfect time. Everybody then gets their mouthwaters going and they're thinking to himself, right, this is a proper test. Let's see where he's at. And then they put on one of the fights the fights of recent times. It was absolutely sensational. And we learned so much in that Klitschko fight about him. We did. We learned an enormous amount. Um, it was an amazing night. What we learned about Anthony Joshua on that night was that he has the heart of a champion. He can come back from being knocked down. He can learn from his mistakes. He has stamina in a second wind. He has a champion's heart. That's the most important thing. He was behind. He was getting beaten in that win. fight. He, and he, he pulled it out of the bag. He, he was in a world of problems. Um, it also opened up a series of questions about Anthony. It was, look, it was his coming of age fight. It was that fight that um, I want to talk about this tonight. How boxers only find out in the moment. Like, it's my war analogy I'm going to use tonight. That, and, and you're going to hear it more than once. Cause you it's think on my you mind. know, but until you're there, you don't know. Exactly. You're in the trenches. Yeah. And you, 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 you know in that moment. It's like when you're in a team in sports, you find out the people when the chips are down, your Roy Keynes, your Patrick Vieira's, these guys will always answer. Right. They will always answer. And that was the moment we saw. And the great thing about it was the backdrop to all of this. Because um, I remember that the fight wasn't just on the back pages. It wasn't just on the sports pages. It wasn't just on talk sports, you know, because there was so much. I remember doing it was so everywhere. much. It was everywhere. It was, you know. Your, granny, was, your grannies were talking about it. But it was, Every man and his dog was talking about it. Politicians were talking about yeah. it. And, and it was that moment. And, and one of the reasons was Vladimir Klitschko is a polyglot, schooled. You know, his father was a, was a Russian military diplomat. Um, he'd he'd been he'd grown up in the Soviet system. He's a gentleman pugilist, um, and Anthony Joshua admired that in him. He'd been over to train with yeah. him in the past. He respected Klitschko, and what we had was these two huge human beings: one white from the east of Europe, one a British African, both carrying the sport in the most beautiful way, and not a 
bad word pals with absolute ease in front of everyone. And it was just an amazing build-up, a tremendous fight, and they shook hands like men afterwards, and the fight was over. And the, the narrative was so epic with both men down and, and, and a dramatic finish that it just made Anthony Joshua a bigger star than ever and gave Eddie Hearn more problems than ever because he was going to have to fight harder and harder and harder opponents. And that's obviously the night that he added to his IBF crown and got the WBA super belt as well. And that is a venue, Wembley Stadium, where we will be back at uh, next week uh, for another chink in the road. Will it be that banana skin that everybody keeps talking about or will Anthony Joshua raise it once again and take it to the next level and keep this bandwagon rolling? You'll hear it live and exclusive on TalkSport next week as Anthony Joshua defends his crowns against Alexander Povetkin, a man who we're going to speak about next. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Dami gospoda, iz gori na Čekov, Rosija, Aleksandar, Sasha Povijetke. A lot of people forget Povetkin can punch like a mule. Uh, and even way back when they announced the fight at the first press conference, Six weeks before the fight, eight weeks before the fight, Povetkin looked shredded. He looked really, really tuned up and in great shape. I think mentally and physically, it's, it's the best time for him. And he's gone! He's gone! Another right hook from Povetkin, and in the first round... Povetkin's fought guys my height for his whole career, isn't he? He's always been the shorter man, so that's what makes him so dangerous, because he knows what to do against someone like us. He's been at world level for a long time. Since he started, he's been at a good level, so... He hasn't plateaued, he's just maintained himself, so he's, he's dedicated and he's done well. From Russia, Alexander Sasha Povetkin. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. Povetkin is the man that stands in the way of Anthony Joshua moving into 2019 as the unified heavyweight champion of the world, a gold medalist at the Olympic Games, the former WBA regular champion. Only pro defeat against Klitschko. And if I'm... 
if I'm brutally honest uh, with you, Gareth, that is the blueprint. This is a very, very, very dangerous opponent. Yes, he's getting on a bit. He's 39 years of age. But if you look at the way that he went about his business the last time we saw him against David Price on the undercard of Anthony Joshua against Joseph Parker in Wales, he slips, he rolls punches brilliantly, he gets in on the inside better than most heavyweights and he throws unbelievable overhand rights and overhand lefts. AJ's got to be extremely wary. If I'm honest, watching that Klitschko fight back that Povetkin had with him a few years ago, which Povetkin ended up on the deck a couple of times. He was bullied that night. He was on the end of uh, Klitschko's jab. It, the one thing, the one surprise that I take from the fight is that Klitschko didn't take him out. He was, I thought he was supreme that evening. Um, that's the blueprint for AJ. And if AJ is going to win this fight, that's the way he goes about it. He keeps him at arm's length for about five or six rounds, busts him up, and then hopefully gives the fans what they want and yeah. gets a stoppage later on in the fight. Yeah, I mean, I think Klitschko, you, you've got to look at five years ago, the Klitschko that um, that defeated Anthony Joshua was seven years into his world title reign, you know. Povetkin. Uh, sorry. Um, the Klitschko, Klitschko that beat Povetkin. The Klitschko that beat, sorry, the Klitschko that beat Povetkin was seven or eight years into his mm. world title reign. He was very accomplished at the time. He developed this system under Ma the late, great Manny Stewart, one of the great African-American trainers to come out of the Kronk Gym, of course, the famous Kronk Gym in Detroit, um, who, who created this heat in the gym all the time, a sweatshop. He was around Klitschko for a long time. He knew that Klitschko doesn't have a killer instinct and never had it. His brother Vitaly did. But Klitschko had developed this system of taking one step backwards and defending himself behind a very brilliant ramrod jab. Mm. And that night against Povetkin, what he did to nullify Povetkin, he kept because Klitschko had a very good jab. He 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 didn't trigger the right hand unless he absolutely had someone hurt. And whenever Povetkin tried to get his head on his chest and tried to, because what Povetkin does very well, by the way. He throws to the body to make the hands to drop defensively of his opponent. And then, like you say, he ducks down. He throws a huge overhand right, and he's got knockout power. 70% of his opponents yeah. he's knocked out. But what Klitschko did that night, he he put his huge arms around yeah. Povetkin. Six foot two, 16 stone, 16 and a half stone, six foot two. Klitschko, six foot seven, towering over him, wrapped him like a big old bear every time, lent on him, the old grab and jab and lean on tactic. And you know what? Klitschko did it so often in that fight. He was even deducted a point for doing it. Mm. He won easily. Yeah, he won easily. That he bullied night. him. He did bully him. He bullied, bullied him physically. Yeah. He broke Povetkin's will. Anthony Joshua, in some ways, Adam, doesn't have the same style that Klitschko. Anthony likes to exchange as well. But what I think he, we will see a little bit in this fight is him tying up quickly. Um, the thing is this about Povetkin. Um, and we'll talk about this throughout the show because I have to remind people about this. Anthony Joshua had just over 30 amateur fights. This is his 22nd professional fight. Alexander Povetkin, okay, has had 35 pro fights. Only that loss to Vladimir Klitschko five years ago. And he had 132 amateur bouts and 125 of them. That is extraordinary at heavyweight. He's got a more decorated record as an amateur than Anthony Joshua. He won the European title, the world amateur title, and the Olympic title in Athens in 2004. He's got an extraordinary record. He's very smart. He grew up in Kursk, one of the great scenes of the Eastern Front war battles from, from Second World War where the Soviets and the Germans on the Eastern Front fought to a standstill. It's, a very, it's the biggest tank battle in the history of, of war there, mm. believe it or not. And I say that because the White Lion, as he's called, Sasha Povetkin, Alexander Sasha Povetkin, is built like a tank. Um, I think he's got a bustling, aggressive style, rather like um, Mike Tyson had. Tyson was was faster and, and, and more aggressive than Povetkin is, but he has a great defense as well. He's a very quiet man. The big thing around Sasha Povetkin is the two positive drugs. Test. I wanted to go there because I don't want to skate over that. Yeah, People yeah. who have heard me speak about Povetkin in the past know exactly where I stand on this man. He's failed two drug tests. You have got a slightly different opinion. You've written an article on this. You spent a lot of time with him. You've actually mm. spoken to him about the ins and outs of uh, the failed doping test. Just give our audience a little bit of a background on what 
he has led you to believe? Well, no, he has led me to believe. And I've done my research. I've done my Absolutely. diligence. I've got a big piece in the Sunday Telegraph tomorrow about this. That, you know, and I've spoken to anti-doping people. And look, he's tested positive twice, both in 2016, eight months apart. Mm-hmm. He tested, first of all, for meldonium in early 2016. Now, it wasn't on the banned uh, substance list until... Yeah. The end of people will be familiar with that. That's the Sharapova drug. That's exactly. what Sharapova got done. For. Exactly. Um, and meldonium was a legal drug, but the Baku European Games, they found traces of it in about fifteen athletes. It wasn't banned at the time, but what it does, it enables the body. It, it was a drug developed in 1970 by the USSR Soviet laboratory system. Mm. I know, and people will be going, oh, question marks. But what it does, and it wasn't banned. What it does was. It allows the body, to, they believe, and it's why it went onto the band list. And this is where this this area is so grey. And I'll come to that to what exactly why in a minute, because women use it to stop oestrogen, uh, to, 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 to so the oestrogen can be helped to turn into testosterone because they believe it helps them. And for men, it can stop oestrogen uh, becoming testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. So it can, yeah, that's right. So no, it can increase they the keep, testosterone. They sorry. keep the levels of testosterone so, rather than lie higher. Yeah. So when uh, he was tested for that, and a trace came up, it was early in 2016. Yeah. The World Anti-Doping Agency that in brought that, of that in year. of January that brought it in that year. Yeah. Later that year, brought out a document saying it can stay in the system six months. Okay. So I'm gonna understand that. Because that's how he explained it. And and I've checked that with WADA as well, World Anti-Doping Agency. That is what happens. Okay. It stays long. And I also checked it with Michelle Verrokin, who used to be he- the head of UK Sports Anti-Doping Unit. She runs her own business now called Sporting Integrity. The second one was Osterin. Yeah. And there was a point, naught, 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 six noughts or eight noughts and mm. a one. That's a growth hormone, by the way. That's a, it is a growth, growth hormone. It's a muscle-growing hormone yeah, yeah. used by bodybuilders, this, that, and the other. Pavetkin says... Why would I have taken that a month before I'm getting a chance to fight for the interim World Boxing Council title? I weighed 100 kilograms for that fight. 15 stone and a half, that is roughly, I think. Mm -hmm. 15 stone seven, I think it is. Um, It's certainly not even 16 stone. And his argument was, I wasn't trying to build. And he said, I don't know where it's come from. His assertion is that he thinks he was sabotaged. You know, you can believe it or not. That's his argument. Mm. He's a convicted Russian heavyweight boxing cheat basically that's drug cheat that is what he is it's on record he was exonerated by the world boxing council Mm -hmm. who took him off all their lists he it was a a day before the fight that that test showed up by the way that fight was cancelled exactly it went to court this that and the other he didn't go ahead he was banned by the world boxing council for life by the way they went to court and he was later um uh reinstalled into the the ranking systems I sat with him. I've sat with him at Wembley already. Um, you know, he's the, Arina, his little daughter, is the apple of his eye. He doesn't seem like the kind of man who wants to cheat. They never do. No, I know. I, I know. You know, we've all seen Making a Murderer, haven't we? Mm-hmm. That people come across as this, that, or the other. Um, he was adamant. I, I mean, when pe- everything we did was through a translator. He's not a talker like a lot of Russian men aren't. Um, but I, I, I just got the sense with him that he, it, it's a very, there's the sort of Damocles hanging over him or he's dragging that boulder up the hill the whole time. It can't be nice when you've tested positive for something. Um, and you are constantly called mm. a double drugs cheat, which is, I've, you know, that's what he's, that's the opening couple of pars in my telegraph piece tomorrow. But when I spoke to Michelle Verrokin in his defense again, and I'm not defending him, but when I spoke to this lady, Michelle Verrokin, who's been around a long time, I said, what about that point not nanogram in his system, the, the osterin, the muscle-building uh, steroid, yeah? And she said, you wouldn't believe the number of people that will find tainted um, supplement containers because even the manufacturers want the public to buy this stuff and feel the difference in their body. And what it's beholden upon the athlete to do, particularly in fight sports, where people 
fight each other. Their bodies are their weapons. It ain't a 100-meter sprint, this. It isn't 1,500 meters around the track. It's not a marathon through a city. Mm. It's people trying to render each other unconscious, very big men. She said, he could well have taken a tainted supplement, but it's beholden upon these people. Yeah. It's human error in many cases. And she thinks a lot of it is human error, not deliberate cheating. It's a fascinating story. It will be talked a lot about in the next week. And we'll be speaking about drugs uh, again um, over the next couple of hours because we've got Canelo and Triple G uh, to preview before the end of the show. So make sure you stick around. You listen to Fight Now on TalkSport with the British Army. Uh, Go the distance with the British Army. Search Army Jobs now. Plenty more to come. Defending undefeated... Everybody's looking past Alexander Povetkin. You know, most people haven't heard of him, but believe me, he's uh, the only fighter he's ever lost to is Klitschko, and uh, that was on the points decision. He's uh, a former Olympic gold medalist. You know, his amateur pedigree, you know, fast surpasses Anthony Joshua's. Mm-hmm. He's boxed better opposition. I'm hoping, and I, and I believe it will be the case that you're going to get two clean athletes in the ring, and you have one young lion, one guy who's never lost um, against a guy who has only ever lost to Klitschko. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be a lot tougher fight than people um, give uh, Povetkin the chance in. Povetkin is also an Olympic gold medalist in all four where I was he's a very good fighter so this is going to show us even more what Joshua's all about and Joshua obviously he's ticking all the boxes he's had some good performances and he's been some big names so the heavyweight division is good and to know that heading heavyweight boxing now is England with Joshua and Fury is amazing as long as any Joshua plays it cool boxes clever and uses his power uses his height he should do a number on him but the guy's a very very dangerous guy you know I mean his record speaks for itself and he's been in with some tough guys, but you know what I mean? I think he's seen better days, but he's still a dangerous guy. Anthony Joshua is far surpassed where Pivetkin's ever been and where Pivetkin wanted to go. Pivetkin, best he's done is Olympic gold medal and regular world champion, which is great. That's a massive achievement, but I think at the age he is now and the fights he's had, he's 39. I don't think it's a young man's game boxing. I think Anthony Joshua is mentally in a different place and he's still evolving. I think Pevetkin's plateaued out now. And I just think um, just should be too hungry and too ferocious for him. The professional's view uh, on Anthony Joshua against Alexander Povetkin next weekend at Wembley Stadium. David Hay, Amir Khan, uh, Frank Bruno and Dillian White giving their uh, opinion there. But what I want the opinion of, I'll tell you what I want the opinion of. I want the opinion of a man that has fought in front of tons of people at Wembley and has landed probably one of the greatest punches I've ever seen in my entire life, and then decided to retire off the back of it. It is the one and only Mr. Carl Froch. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. Um, you've just heard from a couple of uh, your, uh, I would say colleagues, but obviously other professional fighters that have been there, done that and got the T-shirt. What's your opinion on uh, how AJ plays this fight out next week? Well, I think the most significant opinion I heard there was from Dylan White, who um, pointed out the, the fact that he's now 39 years old, Alexander Povetkin. Mm. And um, he's right, it is a young man's sport. We know that heavyweight boxers can last longer into their careers. They don't so much rely on reflexes and weight making isn't a problem because there's no, there's no limit to what they can weigh in at. But still, at 39 years old, I mean, I know what it feels like to be 39. I know what it felt like to be 29. Um, What's it like being 59, Carl? (laughs) (laughs) Why have you got to antagonise our guest? Because when when the frotch, when the cobra is antagonised, he is quite brilliant. He's ready to go. I watched his entire career. Mm. And when you get under his skin, he produces genius. Right. It's a good job he's on a phone line, otherwise he'd be chinning you, man. No, we don't. No, listen, I wouldn't take him on. (laughs) I wouldn't take him on. We're past the chinning each other. We're we're friends now. We are. Bit of a bromance uh, we've got going off of things. To listen, what other people think, but we know where we're <laughs> Yeah, no, but the thing is, you know what? I, I, the one caveat I agree, we both agree with you, I think, Carl. Mm. But the thing is, one thing about age, and you know this because you got better and better and better in this way when you fought, was that Povetkin is vastly experienced and he is a, probably a better boxer 
um, then uh, maybe apart from Klitschko, he's the best boxer that Anthony Joshua has faced in his career. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. And the only reason I point out his age is because that's the only thing he's got going against him. If yeah. he was a younger Povetkin, I'd be very worried about Anthony Joshua and his, his lack of experience at this level. I mean, I know he beat Klitschko, but he beat an old Klitschko. Um, Carlos Tackham got far too close to him for my liking. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he didn't do much with... Um, um, with Parker. He, yeah, Joseph Parker. I mean, yeah. you've got to look at who he's beat and what he's done and how late he started boxing. And he gets away with a lot of what he does, Anthony Joshua, because he's tall, he's rangy, he's big and heavy and strong. When you're bigger than, than your opponent, it's a massive advantage. I've got quite a long arms. I had a long reach on, on a lot of my opponents, and it's a big advantage. Um, Povetkin is very capable, Olympic champion. He's only lost coming to a good Vladimir Klitschko. He climbed up the canvas a couple of times as well. Yeah. Um, Povetkin to, um, to, to hear the final bell. And um, I just think if it was a few more years ago, I'd be, I'd be saying... I'm a little bit worried for Joshua, but I just think because Povetkin's getting a bit old, it makes the fight more competitive and, and closes the door. But I watched Povetkin against David Price early, earlier, just doing a bit of homework for, for my obviously my role with Sky Sports. Yeah. And um, I was quite impressed, more impressed actually, watching it on television than when I sat ringside commentating on it. And um, the only thing that did bother me was Povetkin was breathing quite heavy. But these big lumps, they do breathe heavy, don't they? Yeah. The, the thing is, Colt, um, Povetkin, Povetkin um, for me, um, you, you look at... So let me take it back to you and have the analogy with you. People used to say about you, and remember, I, I, was, I was around in your amateur career as well. You were a very, very fine amateur boxer. Now, people said about Carl Froch, great power, amazing chin, mm -hmm. relentless, mm -hmm. great cardio, never gives up, mentally teak tough. What they forget is you had 12 years as a brilliant pro. Povetkin, as a heavyweight amateur, uh, as an amateur rather, yep. uh, Povetkin as an amateur lost seven bouts out of 132. That should tell you all you need to know about how well he's been schooled. And what worries me, the one punch... As we've talked about in the in the earlier section on Povetkin, when we looked at him, when we analysed him, we looked at his life. Early on, I think he's dangerous for five rounds. I agree. If he ducks down and throws that overhand right and Joshua is not on point, he could get caught and go down. I'm not even saying necessarily knocked out, but there are dangers. I don't know if you agree with that, Carl, and based on that amateur pedigree. Well, you, you stole my... Um... My prediction there, if, if Povetkin is going to do anything to AJ, it's going to have to be early. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you can't ride him off late just because, like I said earlier, the big heavy lumps that are heavyweights, they do get tied past around 5-6 anyway. And Anthony Joshua holds his feet. He slows down a little bit. He, he, looks to, he looks for little breathers, but he's obviously a young man, or a younger man and, um, than Povetkin. And he, he will have that engine... It'll be more, you know, still be firing on all cylinders into the into the later rounds, and Povetkin will probably fade. But Agreed. like you said earlier, his, his amateur pedigree is massive. I didn't realise he'd only lost seven. Mm. Seven out of uh, 132, Carl, at heavyweight. Yeah, you know, yeah, that means you know what? He's very capable. He knows his way around yeah. the ring. And I know he got caught by David Price, but yeah. he was slipping and sliding and stepping forward. When he was when he was hurt, it was even more dangerous. And look at that finish on um, yeah yeah on Paul. Mm. Yeah, it was outstanding. Yeah, and also, you know, Daniel Dubois has been training with him. A little bit's leaked out from Dubois, the Martin Bowers uh, trained uh, heavyweight, young heavyweight under Frank Warren. And he's been out there sparring with Povetkin. And, you know, it kind of crept out. Uh, Elliot Worsell, my mate at Boxing News, was writing about it and, and, and spoke to Dubois. And Dubois was saying, wow, he's so smart to spar against. And Dubois is not as similar to Anthony. Anthony's much more... Um, he's more experienced. I mean, he's, he's a young boy, he's finessed, yeah, yeah. isn't he? But but the thing is, when Povetkin, like you say, P Povetkin was beaten by Joshua, uh, by by Klitschko. Joshua's got that blueprint to look at. Joshua has looked more like Klitschko in recent times, and if he can just keep him off by the use of the jab. Um, by being long, by holding in close, and showing us that he can control and nullify um, Povetkin for five or six rounds and start to pepper him with the jab. I think it might be a simple night for him. So, the great thing is, there's so many outcomes. This is a great learning fight, potentially, for Joshua as well, isn't it? You know? It is, yeah. I don't think Joshua's going to... Povetkin's going to allow Joshua to just jab and move. Watching him today against Price, you know, you know when Price was trying to jab and back yeah. off? Yeah, yeah. 
Povetkin knows how to slip and slide and roll in. A little bit Tyson-esque, obviously yes. not as aggressive and as quick. But he slips and slides, rolls. He's got very good footwork. He's quite light on his feet. And when he gets in range, he looks for that overhand right and the hooks. He's a bit of a hooker. Joshua, in his last couple of fights, has looked to jab, move. Yep. Sometimes he's guilty of going back in straight lines, which is always dangerous. And Povetkin's not going to want to sit on the end of that jab for too long where he knows he can be caught with big power. He's going to try and get in close. And the referee against Joseph Parker didn't allow Parker to get in close. But no. if you notice, Joshua was fighting on his back foot. He was holding his jab out. He was moving away. And if you look, I mean, I don't want to go too negative on Joshua. I like mm, Josh. I think, mm. I think he's, I'm predicting him to win this fight. How him, yeah. he wins, I don't know. But after the Klitschko knockdown, I saw a, a Joshua boxing behind his jab, almost fighting a little. I don't want to say he fought scared, because he's not scared, but he's on his back foot holding his jab out, looking to just keep out of the way and not get involved at all. We did mm. that against Takam and did it against um, Joseph Parker. And if he does that against somebody as experienced as Povetkin, Povetkin will cut the ring off, make him work, make him hold, and that will make him tired. And if he starts getting home with them shots, Povetkin, this could be very dangerous for Joshua. Carl, you obviously know his trainer extremely well. You had a fantastic time with him uh, during your own career, uh, Ron McCracker. What do you think his tactics will be for that well, fight, with all the things that you just pointed out there? Well, well Rob will know if, if he gets on his back foot, Joshua, and tries to sit behind that job for too long, he'll give Povetkin momentum. And mm. a, a fighter with momentum is dangerous. George Groves had momentum in our first meeting. Mm. I was on my back foot. He was coming forward, letting big shots go. And, you know, I was, I mean, luckily I've got, I got a chin. I don't, I don't fall over and stay down. Um, like some of my um, my fellow colleagues, British colleagues that I were mentioned, um, <laughs> if I do go down, I get up to win. You know, um, Povetkin, Joshua. I think Joshua's going to have to meet him as he comes. So Rob McCracken will probably say to Joshua, "Look, yeah. get in the middle of the ring. Use that long reach." As Povetkin tries to back you up, meet him with that one-two down the pipe, left, yeah. right, Deter left. Deter him, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then get off around the side because I did that with Groves in the rematch. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Groves on his back foot. And if he can get Povetkin on his back foot, he's got shorter levers than Anthony's, or shorter arms. He's not going to be able to get anything going. And once Joshua gets momentum, yeah. he'll probably catch him. Because don't forget, David Price caught Povetkin, hurt him, got him backing up and fell into the yeah. ropes, got a standing count. Joshua can do the same, but he's got to believe in himself. He's got to be confident and he's got to get going from the off. Take the centre of the ring, stand there with authority and meet Povetkin as he comes. I'm just not so sure he fancies that kind of tactic. I think he's going to sit behind his jab yeah. move and then you know we're in for a hell of a night top man Carl thank you so much for your time on this Saturday night mate enjoy it next week we'll probably catch you ringside my pleasure take care cheers, mate bro, cheers bromance cheers <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carl Froch giving his insight there to uh, how the fight might play out next week we'll have to get him back on next week because yeah, we've got a, we've got another fight in Jeddah uh, between his old protagonist uh, George Groves and Callum Smith so we'll oh he a... won't want to talk about Groves come on of course <laughs> he will you cannot stop we'll him get, we'll get his attention on, uh, on that on next week well we know who thinks going to win hmm We'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs>